Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome to another exciting edition of Toonami Preflight, where we will be talking about all things. Is there a more official word for train than train? Locomotive? <laughs> yeah, locomotive. Our locomotion episode. Uh, we're going to be talking about Galaxy Express 999, some of our favorite movies that take place on a train. Mm-hmm. More than you would think. Yeah. I mean, decent, I think. Decent amount. Yeah. As a method of conveyance, it's got some rich storytelling possibilities. I feel like the train. Movies on its way out as I don't know. People still use the train, man. I mean, it's like a locked room mystery, but yeah. you're it's moving. I mean, that's right. But there's, I think, trains are still in urban life. They're still pretty much a big part of people's everyday lives. They're just not something many people take for like a cross country trip nowadays, right? Although I've done it, um, it's surprisingly expensive. Yeah, it's not the cra- the thing is it's not much cheaper and, and it takes for fucking ever. And it takes forever and the food's it's fun, though. not good. Really the only good part of it is that you, you just sit in scenery. The, you can walk scenery, around and yeah. drink. Yeah, and you can get yeah, hammered. Well, in my case, hammered. Sure. Tipsy in other cases. Right. But there's a there's a food car and a drink car. Have you ever done a trip where you stayed on a train multiple nights like you know, your own like room? No. Uh I've only ever done the longest train I ever took was an overnight train. Gotcha. Um, and then I killed my target and left. So nice, was- cool. Yeah. Well, why don't we um, start by talking about uh, Galaxy Express nine nine nine, which is ba- it basically was a manga in the seventies created by Leiji Matsumoto, who kind of was the guy in the seventies for anime. Him and Gonagai, really. Um, and it was a TV show that was a pretty successful TV show. And then in 1979, they turned the first year of the TV show into a movie. They basically redid because back then, you know, I mean, in later years, you would have an anime that was a show and they would get turned into a movie and they would redo some shots, but not all of it. This is back when TV animation was so very different from film animation. They just redid the whole thing. So they basically took the highlights of that year's worth of story and crammed it into a long movie, which usually is a recipe for a pretty confusing narrative. I think in this case it worked out okay because the story is so weird anyway. Yeah, Um, and somewhat modular. Yeah, it doesn't really make that much of a difference. Um but as with most train stories, there's room for like you know stopping in a new place, and then they go on. Yeah, and, um, for being a movie about a relatively depressing thing, it's got moments of delightfulness. Yeah, it's a. I mean, it's it's like most of uh, Leiji's work. It's got a bunch of people being sad <laughs> and a bunch of sort of ideas about what it means to be human and. 
Um, and then it's got a lot of goofy comedy like on top of it. But basically, the story is about a young boy whose mother is killed, and he wants to get revenge. So he hops on this. He he basically wants to save up enough money to go to this planet where everyone, all the rich people, have given up their human bodies and be, and they are their consciousness are placed in robot bodies so that they can live forever. So they can live forever. And he wants to find the person who killed his mom who's on this planet and kill them and so it starts off as a story of revenge so he meets um th- this princess what's her name is it emerald it's uh no it's uh, uh my M- brain i'm having a brain fart we'll look it up yeah. after the promo and uh she okay. rides the galaxy she she basically offers him a spot on the galaxy express which comes once a year and is a super expensive train ride that will, the end of the line on this train it goes to multiple planets the end of the line is this planet where all these people live that are the richest people in the universe who have these robot bodies so she just appears kind of and offers him a free spot on the train if he'll ride with her so basically the rest of the movie is them going towards this planet and having adventures and they meet new people on different planets they the movie this doesn't happen in the show but the movie ties in with another Matsumoto Leiji uh, project Captain Harlock and Captain Harlock that character appears in this movie and you kind of you know this was the first time you get the idea that these universes are connected from between these two shows and these two manga um, Harlock doesn't really do a lot in this other than just sort of show up and be like, yeah, I'm Harlock. And like, if you're a Captain Harlock fan, it's super cool. But otherwise, he doesn't really. Yeah. Like, they just kind of shoehorned him in because they thought it would be cool. And it is, but it doesn't serve a big narrative function. Right. Um, this was weirdly the first anime to be to get a theatrical release in the U.S. Um, it didn't do great. Roger Corman um, licensed it, chopped out a bunch of it, of course. So it was released as a confusing mess. Yeah, I mean, when you take a season of TV and cut that down to a two-hour movie, and then you take the two-hour movie and you cut another 30 yeah, minutes out of it. two-hour, 20-minute movie, and then, and then you cut 40 minutes out of and it. And then change a bunch of the characters yeah, I mean, and just, make up a bunch of That's how it was done back then. Um, so let's check out, let's look at the, um, we have like the, the real advertisement, and then we'll look at the Roger Corman one. So let's check those out. If you think about it, life is like a kind of journey, one that begins and ends in the sea of stars. Now the steam whistle signals that the journey of another youth is about to begin. Captain Harlock, Emeraldus, Maytel. Available in English for the first time, uncut and unedited. Galaxy Express 39, the signature edition, is the most ambitious work yet from Leiji Matsumoto. Old lives are ended, new lives are begun, and running through it all is a steam engine, a train, carrying upon its endless rails the dreams, the hopes, the ambitions, and the youth of all humanity. Galaxy Express 39 from Viz Video. It took 17 years, but you know what? It was worth the wait. I think that promo's from like the 90s when they first put out the uncut version, which just meant the non-Roger Corman version. Um, but as you can see, besides Materu, the main lady, yeah. 
Queen Emeraldus from other Matsumoto Leiji works is in there, as well as Captain Harlock. And even though that was a low-quality promo, you can see just how gorgeous a lot of the shots are and how many... Just the artwork is incredible. Rintaro, the guy that directed it, is the guy who did uh, Metropolis. He's done a ton of stuff, but he mostly has worked in TV. Um, But he's been around forever, still working now, and he always has a really good eye for visuals. Um, He did one of the Neo Tokyo shorts. Um, He's just sort of, whenever I see his name, I know it's going to look really good, and he was definitely not slouching on this movie. I don't know why they call it three nine. I've never held. I've never heard it called three nine. Maybe that's something. The Japanese one is whatever Galaxy Express in Japanese is three nine. But I've never heard the English one called read three as nine. three yeah. nine. We're gonna keep calling it nine nine nine, even if we're wrong, because no one gives a shit but us. Um, so let's check out the Roger Corman promo. This one's funny. There is a place on the frontiers of imagination, at the outer limits of fantasy, where past and future collide. It can only be reached on the Galaxy Express. young boy journeys into space, into time, and into manhood. sharp edge of a far-flung universe of alien beings and uncharted planets, he battles against the robot armies of a monstrous mechanized empire and journeys beyond infinity as he searches for the secret of immortality. Imagination is the final destination on the Galaxy Express. As you can see from that trailer, it's super action-packed. Yeah. But it also has a lot of slower moments, which they probably chopped out completely. That was the 35 minutes. <laughs> yeah, that, was, that was just all the explosions. And I like how the opening shot is Harlock. It's yeah. It's like just a total little side character moment in the movie. Um, but they did their best trying to, what is this Japanese yeah. crazy stuff? I don't know. They were real drunks. So yeah, was, they just. <laughs> they, um, Four martinis after they made the deal. Yeah. Was, <laughs> but evidently, uh, Matsumoto Leiji came up with the idea watching Night, of the Galact- Night on the Galactic Railroad, which is another classic anime that we've yeah. talked about that involves a train. Um, so he saw that and thought of, oh, cool, well, a train, but in space and in the future. Like, bam, well, done. That's how you do it. Um, so since the movie, uh, there have been other Galaxy Express OVAs and TV series, and I think it's going to be one of those things that just keeps coming around. It's a little tougher to do now because people try to stick to that 
uh, lazy style that like really yeah. elongated with flowing hair like characters and that style was very much in in the 70s and 80s even but not isn't back. really now it's around. Um, so uh, you, you see less stuff than I would like but I still like this universe that he created of like all these characters and their weird adventures in space it's basically just ocean yeah, I mean it's really Seafaring, pirates, that, and right. you know, I mean it really just reminds me of that. Um, but so this is a hard one to track down. It's available on DVD, but it looks like the DVD ass. from yeah. the seventies. Uh, it hasn't been released in a remastered edition that we could find. Hopefully, I mean his Leiji's work never really goes away, so I'm hoping that at some point it gets remastered, like a lot of the older anime have been. Um, but if you're looking to watch it, really, pretty much the only legal way to do it is to buy this DVD or VHS. It's also or, oh, on VHS. oh or VHS if you're, you know, seeing it in its true form. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that led us to today's uh, question of the week, which was, "What's your favorite movie that takes place on a train?" Um, so we decided to narrow it down to where most of the movie occurs on the train because there's tons of movies where there's a train scene. Right. Even a significant train scene. But we were trying to think of movies that mostly take place on trains. So that explains Predominant our picks. train setting. Yeah. Predominantly train set films. Um, so first up is, I think, going to be the newest movie that we talk about. And that's 2016's uh, Train to Busan which is a South Korean film. Uh, the director of this film is actually more of an animation director. I've reviewed some of his movies for um, moving pictures, but he's done King of Pigs and he's done all these. He basically got out of college, learned how to learn to be an animator, created his own studio and has been making these really small uh, budgeted animated films that are usually like dramas about characters going through life stuff. Um, but then in 2016, he released two movies at the same time, uh, Soul Station, which is animated, and Train to Busan, which is his first live-action feature. And they are basically connected stories. So Soul Station tells the story of um, how an outbreak of zombieism starts in Seoul at this one particular, the breakout that happens at this one train station. And Train to Busan basically is after that after the breakout has begun it follows these people on a train trapped on a train as they are slowly turning into zombies um it's a really well-made zombie thriller um i actually think he's a really good director of animated films but i think he i think his true calling is live action because this movie is i think way better on most levels than his animated stuff not in terms of really story but just in terms of visual filmmaking um he clearly has a gift for um, visual kinetics. It's a really, really like, you know, at this point, I think you say zombie movie and people are like another zombie movie. But this one really sort of is not like any other zombie movie I've ever seen. And it's just sort of from beginning to end. It's super tense and action packed. And the idea of you're stuck in a small enclosed space with people that are slowly turning into zombies and you can't get off can't get off the train because it's going too fast yeah is a good like setup and it's basically a shitty bad dad businessman like in every movie uh who's a neglectful father who has custody of his daughter that day and he basically is trying to get her to her mom and protect her and just get her alive through this scenario 
Um, and a lot of people don't make it, so it's not easy. So let's look at the trailer for Train to Busan. Yeah, you're, if you're looking for a good thriller, I'm gonna watch that shit again this weekend. <laughs> it's a good, it's a good movie. Um, great train movie. Um, and speaking of great train movies, my actual, probably my favorite train movie is uh, from way back in 1985, and that's Andrei Konchalovsky's Runaway Train. Uh, Andrei Konchalovsky, the director, has a hilariously weird and varied career. He started out his first movie was co-writing the script for Andrei Rublev by Tarkovsky, so super art house beginnings. Then he directed Uncle Vanya, the Chekhov play, and like so he continued in the art house vein. He grew up in Soviet Russia, basically escaped, made movies, then started making movies in the U.S., made Runaway Train, then made Tango and Cash. <laughs> I don't know why you say it like that. And I mean, it's just a fucking crazy, like, what a weird career swing. And then uh, went back to Russia and made art movies. And then just a couple of years back, made a terrible Nutcracker 3D animated movie that was like a $100 million movie that made no money that everyone was like, this is bananas. And now since then has made more art house films. So the guy is just, you can't pin him down. Don't try to pin him down. Never. Don't try to get Konchalovsky to tell you what he's about. So Runaway Train takes place in Alaska. And John Voigt uh, is the main character who's basically a felon that's been in solitary confinement for years and years. And by court order, his warden at the prison he's in in Alaska is being forced to take him out of solitary and the warden hates him they're like old enemies so the warden is determined to make his life miserable so he is planning on escaping so he gets uh, an accomplice Eric Roberts 
and they escape running through frozen tundra and through a frozen river and they basically jump on this train the train then malfunctions and basically becomes the titular runaway train so they can't get off the train because it's going so fast that it's certain death if they try to jump and if they stay on the train it will eventually end smashing into a chemical plant and like killing other people so basically the movie is them trying to figure out if they can get the train to stop and then if not they they figure out that they want to try to derail it and so it's like the 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 warden hunting them with a helicopter because the warden's so crazy he wants to land a helicopter he wants to fly a helicopter over the train jump down and kill them both because he hates them so much so it's like a really intense um just kind of slow burn thriller that go, that gets more and more and more intense the longer it and goes insane. and insane and it's also really well acted and it's probably one of the most brutal movies you'll ever see because John Voight's character is not a good guy he just wants to live he doesn't give a shit about anything else and Eric Roberts character is sort of a weaker foil but also pretty ruthless so it's like no one in the movie is like a good person like it's uh, but I love it. It's really, really good. Um, so let's check out the, tra- I believe, the trailer for um, Runaway Train. The most gripping and entertaining film I've seen in many months, maybe years, 10 plus, Gary Franklin, KCBS-TV. John Voight gives a fiery performance. Janet Maslin, The New York Times. A sensational picture, intense and brutally powerful, Variety. The best action movie of the year, Jan Herman, New York Daily News. Exciting, powerful, and thrilling as anything I've seen in years. John Corcoran, KABC-TV. It's a success, a super thriller. Michael Wilmington, The Los Angeles Times. He's pushing me. Please, try again, and I'll send you out of here in plastic. He wants me to jump the wall. Come on, go for it. Thanks, youngster. I owe you one. Hey, Manny, take me with you. They escaped together. They battled the elements. They achieved the impossible. But their train to freedom was out of control. I don't know what happened, but there's no engineer on this train. There's nobody on this train but us. The brake shoes have burned off. The overspeed control must have gotten screwed up. Engineers do not just croak. You want to be a tough guy? You want to be a legend? Go back! Shaka, come on! getting caught alive let's have some fun <laughs> you'll never stop this fight you hear me Rackin? never i'll kill you man you die shaka don't make me kill you shut it down man he got shut it down their struggle for freedom became a fight for their lives John Voight, Eric Roberts, 
Rebecca de Mornay, an Andre Konchalovsky film, Runaway Train. Yeah, baby. Excellent choice. Back when they firing that double feature up. Back when they had to actually do all those stunts, no, no CGI. Um, and then finally, uh, another oldie but goodie, 1974's classic, The Taking of Pelham One Two Three. Didn't have to be an oldie. What do you mean? They oh, remade it. The- they remade it in 2009, which was a baddie. <laughs> this movie's been remade twice. It was made in 1989 by uh, as a TV movie. It was remade. Why the fuck you would do that? And then in 2009, it was remade with starring John Travolta with a shaved head and a really bad goatee. He, yeah, he went through his bad guy weird beard face. He shaved his head. Was like, well, he doesn't have any hair, so he went yeah. through his. I won't wear my wig, and I'll just right. maybe I'll be a badass. And it didn't work out. Um, but the original 1974 film, which is based on the 1973 novel, is a classic for good reason. Uh, Robert Shaw plays basically the lead um, bad guy, and Walter Matthau plays the, the main character, good guy. So basically this story concerns a group of uh, armed men with submachine guns that take a subway car hostage and they give uh, the city of New York one hour to get them a million dollars or they start executing one person per minute. And Walter Matthau is the person who just happened to be on the job that day at the um, the subway, like the working switch. for the subway. <coughs> so he ends up being the person who's talking to Robert Shaw most of the time, trying to sort of, you know, get them to like trying to delay them, trying to sort of figure out where they are, how to get to them. Um, and so it's a kind of a game of cat and mouse between Walter Matthau and Robert Shaw while these other guys. So this is this is where Tarantino got his idea for Reservoir Dogs. All the guys are named like Mr. Blue, Mr. Gray, Mr. Brown. And they there's one guy on the team who's kind of unstable and the other guys don't know when he's going to blow. So it's sort of a race against time to figure out not only how can they get away from the cops, but how can they get away with the money without self-destructing before um, Walter Matthau figures him out. It's Every so criminal's conundrum. So it's a classic 70s style thriller. It has a super great funky ass soundtrack and it's just a really good Walter Matthau in the 70s if you didn't know went through a string of just he just made incredible good crime movie after crime movie. Uh, he's got a pretty incredible run in the 70s and 80s before taking that sweet grumpy old man money. Yeah. Um, so let's check out the trailer for the taking of Pelham 123. 123 p.m. A crowded subway train starts its run from Pelham Station in the Bronx. 145 p.m. Four desperate, heavily armed men seize control of the train. Open the door or I'll blow your head off. Taking 17 people as hostages. Your attention, please. Now then, you'll all remain seated. Anybody who tries to rise is going to get shot. I do hope I have made myself understood. 2.13 p.m. The city of New York is given one hour to come up with a million-dollar ransom. You're out of your skull. No all units stand by on the double. What's up, Z? A train's been hijacked. Millions have read it. Now you can live it. The taking of Pelham. One, two, three. There is no way you can get away with this. You are underground in a tunnel. At precisely 3.13, we are going to begin executing the hostages. 
Nothing will happen as long as you obey my orders. New York City is held powerless in the grip of four ruthless men. From the mayor's office. Don't tell me I don't want to know. To police headquarters. I've got about 50 men inside the tunnel, all wearing vests and armed with machine and submachine guns. We could fight the Third World War down there. To the nerve center of the world's busiest subway system. My only priority is saving the lives of these passengers. Maybe an hour isn't enough time. An hour is plenty of time. We agree to pay the ransom. Repeat, we agreed to pay you the money. Now turn your clock off. The money has to be counted, stacked, tied, transported uptown. It just isn't physically possible. You'd be surprised what's physically possible. Tell them one, two, three's in motion. Let's go, we driving up track. How long does it take to get all that money together anyway? Just not gonna make it. Never make it. The passengers are dead ducks. What the hell they expect for that lousy 35 cents to live forever? Walter Matthau, Robert Shaw. <laughs> the most spectacular hijack in history. The taking of Pelham. One, two, three. Pretty awesome. Excellent choices all around. Might Thank have you. to have a train triple feature. I know. That's, that would be a good train triple feature. Um, first up for me is admittedly the weakest of my choices, <laughs> but it holds a special place in my heart, and what? that is 1976's Silver Streak, uh, yeah. directed by Arthur Hiller of Love Story and later <laughs> the more... <laughs> Love means never having to say you're sorry. Yeah. Though. Hear no evil, see no evil, which of the Gene Wilder... <laughs> uh, Richard yeah. Pryor combo movies <laughs> is easily the worst yeah. one. Um, Silver Streak is not great. No, it's it's kind of like six. They're like, well, what if we sort of parody a Hitchcock movie, but instead of using Cary Grant, we'll use Gene Wilder, but we'll also make it a buddy comedy film and we'll make it a romantic movie and we'll put it on a train, but sometimes not on a train. And why they keep getting back on the train. So it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, but there's some funny it's got Richard Pryor moments in it. in it. Yeah. It's uh let's check out the trailer for Silver Streak and then we can watch some uh casual racism in the seventies after that. <laughs> George Caldwell is taking the Silver Streak to Chicago. First class? Yes, sir. Right this way. He's a busy publisher who's taking the train for one reason only. I just want to be bored. Come on. Well, you're in for the ride of your life. You just pick out a little chicky, my friend, and it's hugging much all the way to Chicago. What do you publish? Oh, mostly nonfiction. Cookbooks, how to do it books. It's very interesting. Are you married? Divorced. But in the next three days, he will fall in love. He will witness a murder. And become involved in a bizarre international intrigue. All right, listen, Buster, you're in trouble. And I mean big trouble, because I'm reporting you. All right, enough's enough. If, you want it, if you're willing to forget it, I don't believe this. Are you kidding? From an innocent passenger, George Caldwell will become a victim. A man who will be forced to risk his life in order to save it. Hold it! Don't move or I'll shoot! He will fall into possession of the priceless Rembrandt papers and into a perfect frame-up for murder. Holy moly, you shot him! All right, mister! 
Just keep your hands where they are and we'll have no trouble. Give me that. Don't shoot. He will make a friend. Who are you? I'm a thief, man. What do you want you for anyway, man? Murder. Drop me off anywhere along in here, okay? I don't mess with the big end. And become a fugitive from the law, wanted in every state. Wait right here. Go get the tickets and it's goodbye, George. What are you talking about? Well, how are we going to get on the train? You got an idea? I can't pass for black. You tell him. I didn't say I was going to make you black. I said I was going to get you on the train. It's comedy. I don't think we'll make it past the cops. We'll make it past the cops. I just hope we don't see no Muslims. It's romance. You've got shoe polish behind your ear. And adventure in the runaway suspense hit of the year. 20th Century Fox presents a Frankie Blinds presentation. Silver Streak. Starring Gene Wilder. Jill Clayburn, Richard Pryor, and Patrick McGowan as Devereaux. Why are we doing so fast? You've got a dead engineer in a runaway train that's going to hit Chicago in 15 minutes. By plane, by train, by the edge of your seat, it's the most hilarious suspense ride of your life. Nothing can stop Silver Street. I saw that movie quite young, and I felt there's some uh, some some uh, interesting stuff in there. <laughs> yeah, the shoe polish scene. Evidently, the I first they call that blackface. When it was written originally, they had it as a white guy coming into the bathroom and being fooled. Richard Pryor's like, "That's pretty fucked up," and they're like, "Nah." So he walked off the set. So then they made it a uh, black guy comes in and was like, "What the hell are you guys doing?" Wow. And you think that's borderline you should check out this your next pick what are you doing i'm getting bad better get bad jack because you ain't bad you're gonna get fucked you're bad they don't mess with you <laughs> yeah. hey home get down hey you're a little too bad ain't you? <sighs> That one's not as bad as blackface yeah. to me. <laughs> That's usually the one you see in the promos for the movie. I yeah. remember being a kid and seeing that yeah. little bit and being like, oh, I love Richard That's, Pryor. Yeah, it's crazy that they have, they're like, oh, yeah. yeah. That's, yeah. Um, Richard Pryor looks, he's giving you a kiss on the back of the head. I thought he's sucking your brains out. Both. And I look like I'm giving Gene Wilder some distress. Here's a little... Uh, Acid reflux inside. Um, continuing in the grand tradition of train movies and racial harmony is Tony Scott's 2010 Unstoppable. In some ways, a remake of Runaway Train. Yeah. It's like a sideways it's the, remake. It's like they're a sideways not, remake. They're yeah, not they're not criminals. on the run. Yeah, they're not. Cr- but it's... If they don't save the day, everything's going to blow up and lots of people are going to get killed. Right. The tagline is something like... A million pounds of TNT, a hundred thousand lives in a hundred minutes or so. It's like yeah, it's the stupid. most 
they're trying like, to they're trying marketing. to they were trying to give you something that's from the movie, which is a moment where they talk about the physics of like yeah, the train is the just train. gonna keep building and building and building speed and that by the time it hits this there's chemical plant. There's where, a part in a town where there's yeah. like a turn and the train's going too fast and it's gonna derail right into it. Into like a why do they keep putting train tracks near chemical plants? I don't know, but it's like it's I think something it's, uh, like that. Affordable square footage and it's gonna, and storage it's gonna, versus train track. And it's gonna cause this huge reaction and send a cloud of chemicals over the city or yeah, something. And shit. there's like kids nearby yeah, and playgrounds. They put thing. all they put the chemical plant next to the playground right. with the train tracks right there. And they soak the whole thing in gasoline. Yeah, just, and then they get <laughs> who knows? Chris Pine and Denzel Washington have to save the day, and uh, they're classic Denzel man. Denzel yeah. is the mass king of the bees, baby. There's a king uh, of the bee movies. Denzel is the king of the mid level bee movie. They, there was a Saturday Night Live thing where they were making fun of this movie with Jay Farrow doing his um, Denzel. Oh, uh, Jay Farrow. Um, it's amusing, but everything that they do, it's like yeah. 45 minutes too long. Um, but uh, let's check out the trailer. That's actually dramatic. Colson, we're working together today at train 1206. Is there a problem? I just don't like working at a damn daycare center. I don't like working at a retirement home, so. All right. This ain't training. In training, they just give you an F. Out here, you get killed. Married? Sort of. It's a long story. How about you? You married? Got two beautiful daughters. Have fun. What do we do when we get to a railroad crossing? We have an unmanned train rolling into a highly populated area with no air brakes? Yeah. Over six, over six. What's up? There's an unmanned train on the northbound track. It's under power? It's coming straight at us. What are we worried about in terms of cargo? Eight freight cars of hazardous chemicals. We're not just talking about a train. We're talking about a missile the size of the Chrysler building. I need to know where that train is. We're not exactly sure. You're not sure? We'll find out. What the hell? It gets worse. I've got 150 students coming in on some field trip on track 16. Train that size going that fast. The vaporize anything in front of it. We have been told to anticipate an event radius 20 to 45 miles. The only way to stop that kind of power, grab it by the tail, gun in the opposite direction. Are you in or you out? You want to kill yourself, you do it alone. All right, right? you do what you want. Wait. I'm not risking this company just because some engineer wants to play hero. Not for you. Not doing it for you. This is Will Coulson, your conductor. We're going to run this bitch down. Tell your sister I love you both. The train is increasing in speed. We're going to be coming in too hot. Close your eyes if you want. You got a real knack for inspiring confidence, you know that? <laughs> for the, the trail, record, when the he, Chris Pine said he was going to run this bitch down, he was referring to the train. <laughs> that trailer blows. Yeah. I think the marketing of that movie failed it because it's actually a good movie. Yeah. But it, the marketing of it. An amazing I, airplane movie and a good yeah. rainy Saturday afternoon. Yeah. I've, I mean, I saw it. Uh, 
I remember seeing the promos before the movie came out. I was like, eh. yeah. But all the reviews were like, ah, it's actually pretty good. Yeah, it's even though it's made in 2010, it's definitely a 70s style. Yeah, thriller. made that looks like a 90s, <laughs> yeah. like a 70s movie. It looks like a 90s movie. If you can muscle past all that, it's yeah. well worth watching. Speaking of 90s movies that you should muscle past is my final pick of Under Siege 2, Dark Territory. Dark Territory. The return of the Navy SEAL cook. It's, um, so Under Siege was on a boat. Right. Under Siege 2 is on a it's train. It's on a train. Um, so it's Die Hard on a boat and then Die Hard on a train. Yeah, it's Die Hard on a boat. As a chef, as a cook, and then... It's die less hard on a boat, right. then die less harder on a train. And evidently, this movie was not originally supposed to be an Under Siege sequel. It was yeah. just yeah, Dark yeah. Territory. They did it after and the so then it's, fact. They just yeah. changed it. Because of the power of the Under Siege brand, um, Steven Seagal and his steely glare <sighs> and his expanding... Steven profile. Seagal now, a, a Russian official, <laughs> Russian agent. The... Uh, this was the beginning of the slowing down of Steven and thus the speeding <laughs> the up. The slowing down of Steven. <laughs> um, this movie is hilarious. It's a great subtitle, The Slowing Down. That's of Under Steven. Siege 3 that they're currently the in. Slowing of, Under Siege 3, The Slowing of Steven. <laughs> um, so rather than show the trailer for this movie, there is a supercut on YouTube of every death in the movie. <laughs> And the, it's something like that's five really, minutes I long. Mean, that's really all you need. I mean, so, if you're watching a Steven Seagal movie, you're watching to see right. how people get killed. So we're going to start this, and then when it stops being funny, we'll just dump out of it. Um, but I think I don't think we'll make it all five minutes, but... We'll make it a while. It's a pretty good progression. So uh, here we go. Let's see how it fares.
Hello. CD. Hand it over. Down there. <laughs> I mean, so ridiculous. I yeah. actually watched this movie last year because I had a double feature of Under Siege. Under Siege and Under Siege 2. Under Siege 2. I find Under Siege 2 to be more fun. But it's under- definitely, it doesn't take itself as, as seriously. Well, which- Under Siege, they have Tommy Lee Jones being a complete goofball yeah. and Gary Busey. So it's like the sheer power of goofballness of that movie is pretty high. Yeah. But this movie had way more fun with the dumb action, I think. Yeah, I mean, if, if you can take a 90-minute movie and then five minutes of it is just murder getting killed, <laughs> it's pretty good. So those uh, are some of our <laughs> favorite movies that take place on a train. Let's check out the Adult Swim Facebook pics. Yeah, let's see what you guys said. Midnight Meat Train, that's nice. actually a fun horror movie. There's actually sequels. Darjeeling Limited, the only, fun fact, the only Wes Anderson movie I don't like. I don't... I. I think that movie's fine. It's a misfire. It's a misfire. Cultural tourism, the movie. Yeah. Uh, Polar Express, which is weird and horrible. Snowpiercer is a good movie. I thought when it came out, it was a little overpraised, but it was. It's a good movie. Yeah, I want to see it again because I felt the same way that it was. And planes, trains, and automobiles. I get why people picked it because it has trains in the title, but they're not on a train very much in that movie. Like, yeah, for like. Not even two minutes out of the running time of that movie. Yeah, when Mo- we do most of the movie is actually them in a car. When we do favorite rental car counter yeah, scenes, exactly. we'll definitely pick. I want a fucking car. Uh, let's check out the Toonami Facebook picks. Train to Busan. Toonami fans know what's up. Snowpiercer. Polar Express, come on, guys. You're just, like, picking a train movie. Nobody actually likes the Polar Express. I think Express. any list that has Train to Busan and Polar Express on it, it is a fine place to be. Murder on the Orient Express, and I assume they mean the horrible new one that I never saw. And Source Code, which is actually uh, Duncan Jones, who did Moon and yeah. Warcraft. Uh, Source Code is a pretty great sci-fi movie he did, which a lot of which takes place on a train. So yeah, the sort of crux of it is... Yeah, that's a good pick. Um, so thanks, as always... Uh, now we have a few sneak peeks to talk about. So first up, we have episode 52 of Dragon Ball Super, uh, which will air Saturday night at 1030. And we have a promo for that. So let's check that out. On the next all-new episode of Dragon Ball Super. I haven't seen Gohan around. Gohan is a far cry from the warrior you knew as a boy. In my reality, Gohan was my master. You saying he trained you? He did. He was fearless. I'm sure he'd be thrilled to see you again. Dragon Ball Super, this Saturday at 10.30. The Great Saiyan Oh, villain, baby! I am so confused right now. Only Toonami on Adult Swim. Yeah, Great Saiyan's back. Yeah. Love Great Saiyan. Um, so that's uh, Saturday night at 10.30. And then... In addition to that, on the theme of Dragon Ball, we did a review for the Z- DBZ Fighters game review. Uh, Dennis, I believe, he wrote did. this one. Mm-hmm. Um, people have been asking us, when are you going to do the review for the Dragon Ball? When are you going to do it? So here it is. So hopefully you guys enjoy it. Let's check it out. Tom, that's not fair. <laughs> that's the power of Goku Black, Sarah. This new Dragon Ball Fighters game feels pretty familiar. Well, it was produced by the same studio that made Guilty Gear. And now they've made this amazing-looking Dragon Ball game. It really feels like we're playing the show. We pretty much are. And it's the best Dragon Ball fighting game ever. The story mode is pretty fun. But it's the arcade mode's 3 versus 3 battles where this one really shines. 
It may seem a little chaotic at first, but the controls are actually pretty simple. Switching players on the fly is definitely the key to victory. Well played, Sarah. And you've been going toe-to-toe -to -toe as long as we have. Dragon Ball Fighters is a welcome breath of fresh air. We give it an 8.5 out of 10. Okay, Sarah, time for that rubber match. It's your funeral. Nice, yeah. Yeah, that looks bananas. A well-reviewed game. Yeah, it, it looks totally crazy. Uh, but I think they've been getting better and better over the years at, like, realizing Dragon Ball's fighting in a game. Yeah. And I think they finally perfected it with this one. Seems like anyone who cares about fighting games or Dragon Ball is pretty happy with it. So uh, thanks, Dennis, for doing the review. I'm sure you had fun beating the crap out of he did. multiple characters. Uh, and then next up, we have another Moving Pictures where I review a movie suggested to me by you guys um, because Gil still can't close his one man's trash. So I got to do another one of these. Um, so uh, I chose to do a movie that was released last year um, called Napping Princess, directed by Kenji Kamiyama, who directed a bunch of Ghost in the Shell standalone complex episodes um, and is sort of a now moving into feature direction. Um, and I, I liked it. It's a good, like, it. it's like a low-budget feature, but um, it's in a, in a kid's movie. But as a kid's movie, it's a lot of fun. Um, so here's my overall review. Hey, Tanami Faithful. This is Jason DeMarco with another edition of Moving Pictures, in which I review an animated film suggested to me by you, the viewers. For this week's uh, Moving Pictures, I decided to do a movie called Napping Princess, which just came out not too long ago, a couple months ago. Uh, and it's directed by Kenji Kamiyama, who uh, you guys would probably know from directing a bunch of episodes of Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex. He's uh, sort of been in the industry forever and just working on all kinds of stuff, slowly rising up the ranks till he's now a feature director. This movie was released at the same time as an animated short that was sort of a little highlight for what this movie would be. It's kind of weird. It's connected, but not directly. So Napping Princess concerns a young girl who is of school age. She is basically attending high school, thinking about what she wants to do with college as she's a senior. She lives with her dad. Her dad is sort of like still a, a kid himself. He's not very responsible and he's like, he loves her, but he's sort of not great when it comes to adult stuff. He's a mechanic. So he's always like fixing people's stuff around the neighborhood and just taking like food in payment. So she is considering whether or not she wants to go to college in Tokyo. And at the same time, the movie takes place in this dream world where she is a young princess and her dad is sort of a knight. And there's an evil king that wants to basically kidnap her. And then in the real world, her dad has a tablet which has a program in it that he wrote which can tell cars how to drive automatically. So it's basically a self-driving car mechanism. And it turns out that her mom was the heir to a fortune of like the Ford of Japan. And basically her grandfather, who she's never met, uh, felt like her dad was not good enough for her mom. So he cut them off. So now it turns out that someone at the grandfather's company has found out that, th that her dad has written this program. And so they want to kidnap him 
to get the program. He hides it in one of her stuffed animals, who in her dream world is like her friend. And so the rest of the movie is sort of a cross between a fantasy movie where you're in her dream sequences and she's dreaming and able to do magic and stuff. And then also the real world where she is on the run with a friend from high school and they're running, trying to stay ahead of these minions who are trying to steal this technology. So it's sort of two movies at once. You're the only one who knows the whole story. The only one, Joy. It definitely is more of a kids movie. I mean, it's definitely pitched more towards a younger audience. It's got a really fun sort of thriller vibe. I personally felt like it went a little bit long because there were sequences, the animated sequences where it was in the fantasy world. I think they thought that would be like the hook for younger kids and I, you know, there's giant robots and all kinds of cool stuff in those sequences, but they felt a little long and they felt a little inconsequential because, you know, it's very clear that this real world story is happening and, you know, they blur the line a little about what might be, you know, are her dreams affecting reality, that kind of thing, but it's more of a feint. I don't think it's supposed to be a big part of the story. And we really did have the same dream. Wait, are you serious? I was way more interested. I found myself way more interested in the story of the industrial espionage story where they're being chased by these guys for this technology. I thought that was way more compelling for me as a viewer. I need you to stay behind to capture the girl. Understood, sir. It's like two hours long or an hour and 50 minutes. I think it could have been more like an hour and a half, but it's still a really fun movie. It looks really nice. It's not quite up to the full quality of a big budget theatrical but for a mid or small budget theatrical anime it looks pretty good i want the engine heads dispatched at once there's some incredible giant robot sequences and some lovely shots of the sea and this sort of fictional world that she always finds herself in um, and the characterizations are really good she is a really strong central character i've watched the dub and the sub the dub is great the sub is great it's sort of a one of those movies you could watch either way and you're not really going to lose anything so if you're bored one day and you're looking for something fun and light it's definitely worth checking out i would say i haven't seen too many movies like this um in some ways it's very much a, a you know, typical anime in that it's about a young high school girl there's a fantasy element but in other ways it, it kind of has a weirdly grounded feel that i don't see in those kinds of stories very much which is probably why i wanted more of that teen angle i liked it a lot i thought it was fun so i would say it's worth checking out you can stream it pretty much anywhere download it anywhere it looks good and is worth your time um, so that's my review of napping princess if you have any other suggestions for me hit me up at clark nova one on my twitter and tell me and if it's something i haven't seen i may check it out okay thanks i think this might be my best work to date nice i hope I hope uh, Kamiyama-san ends up directing some more movies. He's getting good. I mean, it was a little, a little too long, but um, there was a lot of really cool stuff in it, and uh, it looked beautiful. Um, so, Napping Princess worth checking out. You can pretty much find it anywhere um, at this point. And then finally, <clears throat> this week's Adult Swim single, which released on uh, Wednesday, is a new song from Zola Jesus, uh, who I really like. Um, she makes pretty experimental, dark vocal music, but I really like it. Um, this song is called Bound, and this is week 45 out of 52 of Adults and Singles. So, home stretch, baby. Getting there. Um, so, you can get this at adultswim.com slash singles, as long, along with the other 44 weeks worth of songs. 
But for now, let's check out a sample of Bound by Zola Jesus. come back next week we release a new one every wednesday around noon and we've got a bunch of big names coming so um be on the lookout i shall that's it that's all we got cool are you going to be able to one man's trash next time hopefully we'll see i hope gotta get back to it tired of reviewing movies um, all right. Well, thanks for watching. It does we'll, take you we'll be back. two hours to watch it and then the I mean, four minutes after that. Don't blame so. me because you chose to do a thing that takes you hundreds of hours. You could have picked something less labor intensive. <laughs> the quality <laughs> level is not different and mine takes five minutes. So oh, well. that's all I have Neither to say. one of the things you, you know, just said. We'll let true. the fans decide. Okay. That's what we're going to do. Bye. Thanks. Tsunami. Every Saturday night from 1030 p.m. to 4 a.m.